You're listening to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, your daily podcast on the National Football League, powered by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show Tuesday edition, which means we will be dipping into the mailbag, our two-minute warning. There's a lot to get to today, so we'll, we'll try to hit every division in the NFL for at least two minutes, and a lot of these divisions will be hit because of vacancies that are now open for GMs and coaches that have been fired, something we teased yesterday that we need to delve deeper into on today's program. We'll talk Monday Night Football, Tuesday Night Football that has now become Wednesday Night Football. (laughs) This season has been different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day. No matter how you watch this season, Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. At BD Peacock on Twitter is where you can find me, the scout Matt Williamson, a must-follow at Williamson NFL. Let's start chronologically here with Monday Night Football, the game that did get played this week as scheduled before we talk Ravens-Steelers that has moved yet again. Seahawks improving to 8-3. and three. They beat the 3-7-1 Eagles 23-17. Worst backdoor cover of my life, by the way. I had Seahawks minus seven, and they throw that Hail Mary that bounces around, get six points off that late touchdown that means nothing. They go for two, and I lose. So I know this isn't a betting show, but oh, man. I felt pretty damn good about that game from start until the last 30 seconds as Seattle was clearly the better team by more than seven points. But that was a tough one to lose. I'm just going to start there. A little surly about that. Yeah, and we talked about that game. We both picked (laughs) the Seahawks with that six and a half. And that half point is huge there with the two-point conversion, too. Uh, I mean, come on. That was, yeah, that was a ridiculous This game was not as close as the 23-17 score made it look. No, Richard Rogers, Dick Rogers with that one-handed grab off the Hail Mary. Come on, man. I mean, I thought I had that one wrapped up. But it ended up being a pretty decent game. Um, a couple things I wanted to touch on were I thought both defenses played well. Like you can kill the Eagles offense. They stink, you know, all that stuff. But I think the Seattle defense is getting better. And I think we touched on that yesterday. You had Dunlap and Adams and some of these guys are healthier. They're not a terrible defense anymore. So let's give Seattle credit there. Let's give Seattle's DK Metcalf credit against Darius Slay. I mean, that was a one-on-one matchup a lot of the night and it's Pretty damn clear who won that one. No offense to Slay. He's a good corner, but he had his hands full to say the least. Um, And I don't want to say the Eagles are broken, but they're bent and about the break. I mean, they're not in a good place. Um, Part of that's Wentz. Part of that scheme. He takes so many sacks, which is on him and the line. And my buddy had asked me before this, he's like, should I play Miles Sanders or Deontay Johnson? I need a little bit of points for fantasy. I'm like, Miles Sanders is safe. And of course, Miles Sanders does nothing. And I'm sitting there thinking the whole time, indirectly through my buddy's eyes going, why don't the Eagles make this offense all about Miles Sanders? Scale it back, throw him screens, run the ball, quit asking so much for Wentz. Sanders is capable of being a big time back. Make him the feature of this offense. Jalen Hurts, there was talk that we would see a lot more in her in this game, and it was clear that they could have used a little bit of uh, whatever on offense, whether it was Miles Sanders or Jalen Hurts. He he completed one pass for six yards. He was on the field for two snaps, and uh, Carson Wentz clearly struggling there. 
there's got to be questions uh, about the whole thing. And the the worse and the the longer this goes with how bad the Eagles are playing, and the worse their season gets, the more you hear rumblings about maybe some coaches that need to be on the hot seat there. And so. Uh, I think that has to be part of our conversation in a little while talking coaches. So we'll save that when it comes to Doug Peterson right now. But Carson Wentz does not look like a guy that you can go into next season saying, cool, we've got our quarterback. Let's figure out the rest of this team. No, I, I agree with you. And I will admit that I am a Wentz apologist. And I think a lot of this isn't on him. It's somewhat of a bad marriage in that he has that Superman, Brett Favre mentality, and they even mentioned it. I didn't know this. His, his favorite quarterback growing up was Brett Favre. Well, that's good and bad. You know, like when times are tough and you just keep pressing and keep doing more, uh, that's not the solution. And he hasn't gotten much support from his, you know, his, his line for sure and, and his receivers and his running game. But now those guys are starting to get healthy and they still aren't helping him as much as you'd think. He's playing poorly. His mechanics are bad. Um, he needs a, a big step back and, you know, big picture, they showed these stats last night too, that he had that MVP like season where Philly won the, the Super Bowl, and they they've had a losing record since he, that's when he wrecked up his knee. And I've heard people say that he hasn't quite been the same since that knee injury. And today's day and age, you don't think about that. Everyone just heals properly. I mean, but when I was a kid, you messed up your knee, your season was, your career was over. Yeah. Like. I wonder, I mean, it just, what would the doc say about it? Right. And, or just needing a long time to come back from it, maybe developing bad habits, even if he is a hundred percent now, um, you know, it's, there's just so many different things that can happen from an injury like that. It's at least, it seems like there needs to be some sort of a reset and a refresh there. And, and there's plenty of excuses for Carson Wentz. You mentioned the receivers and all the injuries and uh, the offensive line. I mean, look at all the sacks that, uh, there was six sacks that the that the Seahawks piled up in this game. A half a sack from Carlos Dunlap, who is just proving he's one of the best additions midseason we've seen this year. Jaron Reed got in there for a half a sack. Jamal Adams got a sack. He was all over the place in this game. A couple of quarterback hits, tackle for loss, led the Seahawks in tackles. Uh, there was a sack from Puna Ford. So getting in through the interior there was that defensive line KJ Wright with a sack so uh, all over Carson Wentz there and as they say sacks are 50% on the line 50% on the quarterback so uh, there's plenty of blame to go around but there's also some excuses with Carson Wentz and we and we've seen him play well in the league already so that's the that's what makes it so difficult with Carson Wentz is where's that guy yeah and I know a couple of names we, we've kind of lumped Wentz and Darnold together Wentz has at least done it. You know what I mean? Of mm-hmm. guys that could be on right. a move in the next year or two, change the scenery. There's great tape of this guy. And people forget this part, too. There was great tape of Wentz during the second half of last year. Remember how bad is is he was throwing to Greg Ward and you know anybody he could pull <laughs> off the street. I mean, he had like no receivers over 500 yards. And he played extremely well last year. I mean, that's why I'm blown away by it. Right. And that's why everyone was like, okay, we're going to see that good Philadelphia Eagles, this team. They're going to win the the NFC East and everything's good. And they've played even worse than they did last year in some of the same circumstances there, which is why I say, you know, maybe a reset, like something definitely needs to change, whether it's quarterback or whatever around the quarterback or coaching one one major factor has to change there. Probably multiple factors in Philadelphia with the way they're they're playing this year. By the way, DK Metcalf. 177 yards on his 10 receptions. He passed Tyreek Hill to take the lead for receiving yards in the NFL with 1,039 already after 11 games. Wow. He's been remarkable. And 
it's kind of the opposite of the Wentz conversation. It's just a perfect fit for offense and quarterback and receiver. And Metcalf would be great on any team. I mean, he'd be a very good Bengal or Jag or Jet or whatever, but him playing with Wilson is awesome. And he had a big drop too. I mean, he could even put Mm -hmm. more up. And, and the Eagles might have to rethink and look against DK Metcalf. It's tough, but Darius Slay, it's not the first time he's been beaten this year, and they're really putting a lot on him, and maybe he's not that shut-down guy anymore. And they're just like, okay, you've got to just be on an island, and uh, they, they've they've been beaten a lot on that island this year in in that Philadelphia mm-hmm. defense. With you know, and, and the defensive line is playing really good, but the rest of the team is just, man, falling apart around him. Yeah, yeah you're right. All right, let's uh, keep this moving. We've got to talk Steelers-Ravens. Uh, that which the game is it moved again now it's looking like uh it's gonna be a noon wednesday or 12 40 p.m 3 40 p.m eastern wednesday game now so it's not even a true wednesday night game i don't even know who's gonna see this football game uh at this point just a total oddity matt you cover the steelers hopefully you have some more uh clarity in this situation with ravens steelers we'll talk coaching firings gm firings those vacancies some vacancies that could still come and get to your questions coming up on peacock and williamson Thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment or overbearing sports parents or whatever might have held you back, fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL, they've joined another league, the League of Football Watchers. This football season will be different and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch. I watch in a number of different places. I watch every game all day. Sunday, again on Thursday, again on Monday. Uh, Maybe if there's a second Monday night game as we get sometimes, I'm in on that too. And I'm watching uh, multiple games on multiple screens and I need refreshment. And Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through any game day because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. Go to madeforfootballwatching.com to check out the latest football watching content from Pepsi. All right, Matt. Steelers, Ravens. Not Thursday, Thanksgiving. Not Sunday, not Monday. Not Tuesday. Wednesday now is when (laughs) this game is scheduled. Will this game even happen? It sounds like it. And I want to get your impression on something. Because first of all, as you said, it goes from Thanksgiving primetime to Sunday at one to Tuesday night, which isn't happening tonight to tomorrow at three forty Eastern. Because do you know why it is it three forty? By the way, uh, I have if no you know, idea. I'll tell you. It's, it's interesting no. to me. I have no well, clue why they would put this game on <laughs> it at three forty Eastern, twelve forty p.m. Pacific time on a Wednesday. If it was another team, I wouldn't know this, but NBC has the game and they have to be pissed. I mean, think about all the prime spots they've lost where they would get so many eyes on this game, namely Thanksgiving night, to move it to Wednesday at 340 Eastern. On that note, imagine all the Black Friday, Cyber Monday, all of that revenue, all of the advertising that is packed into what would be right? a Thanksgiving game. Like that's a huge time in prime time to be advertising something. And now Cyber Monday's over. You're sitting here Wednesday and there's still plenty to advertise with Christmas coming up, but that's a big weekend to be advertising right now. So NBC, I'm sure, is losing a ton. A ton. I mean, I don't even know what they played Thursday you know, Thanksgiving at eight. And I didn't care because I wasn't watching it anyways, but I'm sure many people were in that boat. Well, here's the reason it's a 340 Eastern is because they are doing the Rockefeller Center 
Christmas tree lighting ceremony. So that's on <laughs> Wednesday primetime, and they didn't want to get out of that. So they're going to play it at 340. Oh, wow, that's amazing. Yeah. Yep, can't get out, can't change that. The I, mean, I guess it's a big deal. In the, I mean, the grandmas and kids all watch it or whatever. I don't know. The non-football fans watch it. I Could guess it's have... a big deal and they couldn't get out of it. Oh whatever. Oh, my gosh. Couldn't they have timed it out where they light the Christmas tree like at halftime or something and worked it in together <laughs> right, and gotten even double half hour, half time. Double the right, eyeballs? I'm sure. Oh, my gosh. Craziness. That is amazing. But I, I want to get no your idea. impression on something because in my Steeler world, this is the narrative, especially because it's the big bad Ravens and everyone hates the Ravens around here. That And I do think some of this is true. This is such a crucial game for Baltimore that I do believe Harbaugh has done everything possible to make this game pushed back as long as possible as he possibly could. And he really wanted this to be a week 18 game where he would have Lamar and whatnot. And I know that sounds very Steeler centric, but trust me, let's listen where I'm going with this is he shut down the facility when you didn't have to shut down the facility. They've released a couple COVID things a day later than they actually happened. You know, and I'm not saying that's dirty pool. I really have no problem with it. Steeler Nation's losing their mind over it. But what rubs me a little wrong is this thing keeps getting bumped back, and now J.K. Dobbins and Mark Ingram are healthy. Like all these guys that couldn't play are now all of a sudden able to play, and that and it doesn't bother me that much, but it's bothering Steeler Nation a lot. What I will say is I'm sure Tomlin would never admit this. The coaching staff would never admit this, but it makes coaches crazy when you mess with their routines. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I wasn't a football player. I wasn't a football coach, but I was on staffs with teams and it was alarming to me what creatures of habit players and coaches are. They want to know exactly where they're going to be Tuesday at noon. Week 10 is the same as week 16. And my point is, Tomlin has had all this time to prepare for this game now, but hasn't been able to use his practice time properly. Like he keeps having walkthroughs and then the next day we don't have a game. Like I would have practiced that day. You know what I mean? Like all this stuff gets thrown at you. And then after the game, you have a short week again, you know, like it, it messes with your prep time a ton and the Ravens have had no prep, but my heart doesn't go out to them. Not because it's Steeler Ravens. It's, because it's like the Denver situation. Oh, you don't have a quarterback? So what? And I really feel like the, the NFL dropped the ball a little on this one because this game got moved from Tuesday to Wednesday, not because there was more COVID positive tests. It's because the Ravens appealed and said, we didn't have a practice. We need a practice. Yeah. Like, when's the NFL cared about that? Yeah, the NFL shouldn't care about that. And it's setting no. a precedent now so any team can, can whine and – and tr try to threaten a strike of a football game to try to get something that's more advantageous for them. And you can start to see teams try to utilize that more and more. And now the NFL's opened that door. And you know, I, I don't feel bad for the Ravens. I don't feel bad for the Steelers. But I just no. it's a can of worms that the NFL uh, opened there by allowing that game to move an extra day when it wasn't necessary. And now... You mentioned the Ravens get a, a couple players back, maybe, and they get a practice, which they weren't going to have before. I mean, after seeing what Denver went through, no team should ever get any benefit when it comes to this COVID thing. You got to play when you got to play, and that's it. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure Denver would have conceded a practice for an NFL quarterback. <laughs> right. I mean, I'd rather have a quarterback than a practice. 
Absolutely. No doubt about that. Uh, and, and actually, so this game is scheduled for Wednesday afternoon. We'll see if that actually goes down. And it looks like they still will not have Lamar, though, right? I mean, that's the big one. No, Lamar is out. Okay, But, but it sounds like he'll be around for their next game. And, and all next, all week 13 has been shuffled like crazy, too. We're going to have two Monday nighters and a Tuesday nighter because of these teams and all the ripple effects with that too. So yeah, we'll, we'll talk much more about what that schedule looks like next week. That's almost too much for my brain to, uh, to comprehend right. right now on this Tuesday morning as we're recording this podcast, but that's a perfect segue into uh, the, well, well, let's, let's do a question really quick because it pertains to this situation and uh, it's, it's from where are we at here. It's from our listener, Morrow. O2KO, and he says, uh, what do you guys think about this comment from Steve Young? Should the league and the Steelers wait for Lamar Jackson? And essentially it was Steve Young on TV talking about this game and how it's good for the league to push this thing back and have more stars on the field, which I don't disagree with, but I think Steelers fans especially were really mad about that comment saying, uh, no, that's BS. The The Ravens should have to play uh, when they have to play, no matter how many players they have, even if they have to play defensive players on the offensive side of the ball. <laughs> Yeah, um, I didn't hear Young's comments directly. I probably should have went and listened to him, but I had it conveyed to me through very biased black and gold um, segue, you know, p- people telling me about it. And on the surface, it sounds really stupid. Like, we're, we're not going to wait for you to get your best players. When's that ever happened in the league? You think anybody cares about that? Like, when T.O. had a broken leg in the Super Bowl, should we postpone it? And, you know, all those type of things. No, that's not how football works. But I will give Steve Young the benefit of the doubt. I mean, I'd like to hear the context in which he said it. Would it be better if it was Lamar and maybe this was a Week 18 game? Okay, yeah, it'd be better for all of us to view. But that's not how the league works. Yeah. You don't change things just because your quarterback got hurt. Did, that's... did the Ravens postpone the Steelers game when Duck Hodges was starting last year? That, that, see, that's the thing is that would have been fun. I would have much rather watched Ben Roethlisberger or any other quarterback instead of Duck Hodges. And I think that's kind of what Steve Young is saying. Is like, look, the league wants their stars. Fans want to watch the stars play. So it's better for everybody involved except for the team you're playing against when you have your stars on the field. I think and, and look, that's that's all. I think that's all he was saying there. And that's not a crazy idea. He didn't really say that, look, this is what should happen. He was saying, look, it's good for the league. Like. It was bad for the league to have Joe Burrow tear his ACL and not be playing right now. Like Absolutely. you want your stars on the field, whether it's COVID related, whether it's injury injury related. It's not good for the league to have you know Nick Bosa and Jimmy Garoppolo out for most of the year for the team that was just in the Super Bowl. Uh, it's not good for the number one overall draft pick to have a torn ACL. It's not good for your reigning league MVP to be out with COVID during a, a big time prime primetime game. So I think that's yeah. all he's saying. Yeah, it's Scott on America's team. Right. Know? Yeah, absolutely. So that's all he's saying, I think, there. And look, and it, it would be better for the league if they allowed it to go to a point where Lamar Jackson was on the field. It doesn't mean they should do that, but it would be better for the league. No. And what I do know is the league does not want a week 18. They don't want to have three games in week 18. They're trying to avoid that at all costs. Okay, here's a jumping off point for our conversation about fired coaches, potentially fired coaches, fired GMs, and the carousel that happens every year in the NFL and got started early this season. And this is a question about the Bears from Chris on Twitter. He says, uh, hashtag two minute drill. By the way, two minute drill is a better name than two minute warning, right? Because warning is just letting you know it's yes. two minutes. The drill is actually going through that two minutes, right? Maybe we should change the name to two minute drill and a hat tip to Chris here. I like two minute drill better. 
Yeah, that's well said. Because two minute warning is just a buzzer going off right. when it hits two minutes. Yeah, and two minute drill right. is is, is us running out of time before we score. Yeah, and we got to hustle. We got to get first downs and <laughs> matriculate the ball down the field. All right, uh, Chris says the Bears jettison both Pace and Nagy, or is this an issue more uh, roster construction? Is it more coaching? Is it both? Is it neither in Chicago? What do you do? You are the owner in Chicago. Pace, Nagy, are they both gone? Yes. Both I, I think so. I, I really, uh, this would be a much longer than two-minute conversation, but go to drafthistory.com and pull up the Bears drafts under Nagy. Not only they haven't been great, but he really has a pension, and the Trubisky thing stands out more than any, for trading up for not premium assets. You know, like he gives up a lot of picks to go get guys that are just okay, and Trubisky's the obvious example. But then, you know, then you're missing a fifth rounder, and you're missing that guard that you find in the mid-rounds that helps you out. And, um, you know, bringing in all those tight ends, was that really the best way to handle the offseason? Yeah. Build a really good defense, but that offensive line's bad. Outside Allen Robinson, I don't know if they really have any keepers on offense. But I don't think Nagy's gotten the most out of the offense. And you can always blame the quarterback, but, you know, your Niners and many other teams, the Rams, are getting – above average play from average quarterbacks and whatnot. And Nagy was supposed to be that guy and he's not coming close to that. And I don't think they efficiently use their talent. I mean, it might be one of those situations where I keep the defensive coordinator and say, whoever you hire is keeping those guys around because that side of the ball is really good. But the, from the top down all the way through the offense, I think that needs rebuilt. And they've made some good draft picks, and, and Jackson mm-hmm. on defense is one of those. You find starters in the in the fourth round, which is why you don't want to trade those fourth rounders to move up for other players. Right. You know, you you need to get lucky with some of those picks. You need to build depth on your roster. They've obviously traded multiple picks for uh, so all the resources. Think about this: all the resources put into quarterback, and you have Foles and Trubisky. That's what you have left right now, right? And with all the resources, money, and draft picks that have been put into that position, spending first rounders. Uh, on a on a defensive superstar, which you know, uh, I mean, every team in the league would love to have a Khalil Mack, but then it's hard because you don't have draft picks there to build the rest of your roster yeah. around him, and you see the roster failing in other places because of it. So, um, and and with they didn't necessarily win that Mack trade. Yeah, that's very true. I mean, like he's great, but that doesn't mean it was smart. And in the end, we'll see if the Seahawks go far. But man, they gave up a lot for a safety. <laughs> In trade, right? Right, right? And so it's it's hard to win a trade when you're trading away multiple first round picks unless you go win yourself a ring. And the Seahawks might actually do that. The Bears obviously not. And I think we saw it with Dave Caldwell. Like you get multiple chances at drafting quarterbacks and hiring head coaches. And if you fail multiple times, I think it's time to go. So for me, uh, I would definitely jettison both Pace and Nagy and start over there in Chicago. I think you have to. It reminds me a little bit of Denver Elway quarterback situation since Manning, because if you really look at this situation, they gave Glennon, people forget this, pretty darn good money, and then they trade up for Trubisky, and this is you know a little bit of a uh, Monday morning quarterback in an, an easy road, but to move up that one spot, to my point, they gave up two picks that end up being Fred Warner and Alvin Kamara. <laughs> yeah. Wow! That yeah. would, while passing on Watson and Mahomes, and then they try to make it right by signing Nick Foles. So yeah. those are facts. 
that's amazing when you look at it through that lens too. What those picks became, not that the Bears would have taken those players, right. but what can become of those picks. People think, oh, I was only a fourth rounder, but fourth rounders are valuable commodities in the NFL, and you could hit on a superstar still, or just get a very cheap depth piece for your team. You can get a starter, you can get an offensive lineman, which is an issue in Chicago. So, uh, and yeah, not only that, but they got the evaluation wrong, traded up for the bad quarterback when the good quarterbacks were still sitting for them at their normal spot. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, All right, uh, let's and talk. And to be great with polls, and you know, none of the none of that's good. Uh, another, we we already talked Philadelphia. Let's get into that one a little bit next. The Eagles, what do they do at GM and head coach and quarterback? And then, of course, uh, Dave Caldwell in Jacksonville is out, and both GM Bob Quinn and head coach Matt Patricia out in Detroit. Let's talk coaching vacancies coming up, and let's talk energy. Are you hitting a wall in your daily life? Power through that wall with Built Go. Whether it's a mental wall, a physical wall, break through it with Go every day. It's a small packet, one and a half ounces, very easy to take. Put it in your glove compartment, in your pocket, in your backpack, in your briefcase, in your golf bag to power through the back nine. And Built Go is the best workout gel on the market. It's like an energy drink without the same crash of his over-sugared beverage and it's good for you it's natural it's better for your body three delicious flavors of built go peanut butter honey chocolate coconut and chocolate mint they are filled with protein collagen protein specifically because it's fast absorbing gets in your system fast and it's easy on the stomach beta alanine b vitamins honey and a little kick of caffeine visit builtgo.com and use promo code locked you'll get 20 percent off your next order That is promo code LOCKED for 20% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go. All right, Matt. So that was the end of our our two-minute drill, as we're going to call it now. Thank you again to Chris for that. Uh, Two-minute drill is a way better name. I don't know why we never thought of that. We called it a two-minute warning. But uh, we are not going to touch on... uh, We've kind of almost got every division in the NFL so far on this episode, but we're not going to have the traditional two minutes... Per we can maybe division. carry one over tomorrow. Yeah, we, we can also. We, yeah, always feel free to hit us up and, and we'll hit some more questions throughout the week if there's any good ones and, and tee those up for us. It's always welcomed and we'll have a stock up, stock down a little bit as well tomorrow. But uh, we've got to talk coaching here because it's important and I wanted to get this in on the Tuesday episode. Let's talk. Uh, let's finish up the Philadelphia Eagles because we started the podcast with them. So let's let's do that right now. Doug Peterson, Carson Wentz. I don't think Roseman would go necessarily. I mean, Roseman was like the the top of the heap. Like he was the most, uh, probably the hottest commodity at GM in the NFL not very long ago. I think he would get a, a chance to hire a new coach if they decided to go away from Doug Peterson. So to me, it's Peterson and Wentz and that marriage. What do you do there, Matt, if you're Jeffrey Lurie and you're in charge of the Philadelphia Eagles? Well, you can't mention the Eagles offseason without talking salary cap because they're in the worst cap situation of all 32 teams. And we know the cap probably won't go up. It'll probably go down. They're going to have to make wholesale changes. So my hunch because of that is next year is going to be a crossroads year, a rebuild year. And the way I think I would handle it would be, I would give Peterson the rest of this year to show improvement because, hey, we've won some games with you. You're a Super Bowl winner. You're not an easy fire, kind of like the Falcons did last year. Like, if you can turn it around, maybe win this division, get this offense, you know, back on the tracks, you're going to be back. Otherwise, we're going to call some people and see what we can do. 
Again, Williamson's a Wentz apologist, but because you have Jalen Hurts sitting there cheap and Wentz is hard to get out of this year, but next year he's not, I think the plan is you go into camp next year with Hurts and Wentz, try to get Wentz back to where he was, which we mentioned earlier was a very high-level quarterback, with the cheap second-rounder still sitting there and maybe even you know have a camp battle, depending how the season goes. So I would give that quarterback room another year. And coach, I would say you're teetering on the fence right now. See what you can do the rest of the season. So the rest of the season, the division's still winnable. So even if you only win six games and you still get into the playoffs, then, you know, maybe you can have an argument for keeping the coach. If things are going as they are right now, I would say that Peterson would probably be added to the list of, um, of coaching vacancies, around yeah. the NFL and it might be self-preservation for the GM to make sure he keeps his job too. And I think we see that a lot around the league in the NFL because you only get one shot. And if you have another bad season, maybe everybody's gone, right? So there's a lot of that that happens in the NFL with self-preservation. And you mentioned Wentz, he can't go anywhere until June 1st. That's the earliest that some of the, and Matt Ryan, uh, Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers isn't going anywhere, but if he was sure. and they wanted to go with their young quarterback there, June 1st is the earliest a lot of those things can happen. And teams already need to know what their quarterback situation is by that point. So that's why you don't see big moves happening on June 1st, uh, usually unless it's someone just gets completely cut loose. And it's usually not a high commodity in a player that other teams are, are, are just can't wait to jump on, right? So... June 1st is an interesting time potentially for some quarterbacks, but most likely it's 2022 for any of those quarterbacks I just mentioned with Wentz and Matt Ryan and Aaron Rodgers, and there might be some others around the league. There was an interesting idea that I saw floated from our friends at Locked On Colts. What about Carson Wentz back with his old coach, Frank Reich, his old coordinator, in Indianapolis, I would kind of like that fit going forward whenever that could happen, 2022. It's funny you brought that up because that was on the tip of my tongue earlier and I went off on a tangent thinking when we were talking Wentz in the first segment, I thought, I wonder if Frank Reich sitting there twirling his mustache saying, I've watched yeah. all this guy's tape. If I fix this one thing with him that used to be a problem when we were together back then, I can get him back to being a stud. I, I hope, you know, deep down, I'm sure he wants Wentz to look good, but if he keeps playing like this, maybe I can get him for a third-round pick on June 1st, and he can be my quarterback for the next eight years. You know what I mean? Like, someone that knows him super well that's worked with him might be like, this is an easy fix. They're just missing it. And I guess there could be some, you know, handshake deals with teams where they're like, okay, this yeah. deal can't happen until June 1st, but guess what, Carson Wentz, go home. Maybe uh, maybe you'll, you'll get a, a secret package unmarked in the mail that has the Colts playbook on it. And on June 1st, this will be real. And then you can go to OTAs and training camp with another team like that's I guess that's not impossible. But um, yeah, that would be and what's very interesting, interesting is the Colts have a lot of cap space. They could eat yes. a little bit. More. They're one of the teams that can handle that type of thing. And that's the other thing is the the Eagles and some other teams around the league, with the shrinking cap. There's going to be hard decisions with star players that they might not otherwise look at moving on from. Right, right. There's a couple teams like Miami and the Colts and the Patriots and, you know, the the Jets that have a ton of money that might be able to get some guys cheap or maybe even some NBA type deals. Trade me your expensive, really good player and, you know, give me a draft pick to take him off your hands. When we looked at the Lions Thanksgiving game, we talked about how there's a, probably a hot seat situation for Matt Patricia. Woke up the next day and it was like, okay, well, he's gone. That's That did happen. So Matt Patricia out. 
in Detroit. Bob Quinn, the general manager, out. Uh, what do you think? Good moves there by Detroit. And what would you do? Who are you looking at there for those vacancies in Detroit? Do you keep Matt Stafford, another big one that uh, they're going to have to figure out that could, uh, you know, do you change quarterbacks too? Because usually new GM, new head coach means new quarterback. But that's that one's a, that's a much tougher one to get away from, I think, with Stafford in Detroit. Yeah. See, see, I thought he was somewhat tradable. I, I, you know, like to your Niners, I keep hearing, or to the Colts, or a team like that. Yes, yeah. yeah. When um, I when I say he's hard to move away from, I just mean he's hard for you to let go of because I oh, think right. a, a new coach might want to. That might be the appeal of going to Detroit, saying, "Okay, we still have a good quarterback here. I can work with that." Yeah, and, and I have mixed feelings how I would handle that because I don't think the Lions are going to get a top two pick. I mean, will they be in the top five? I don't know. I mean, I guess you can, you'll know that when this time comes, when the season's over, you'll know where you're picking and that'll be helpful because I think unlike some of these other guys, I think you get a first round pick for Stafford. So, but there's nothing in the cupboard. There's no Jalen Hurts sitting there. I I don't know on that one, but I, what I do know is if I'm the new head coach there, quarterback aside, I don't really like what I'm inheriting, you know, that there's, Galladay's a free agent. There's guys like Swift and Akuda and some young guys like every team has that you are, you think are promising and are, are excited to coach. But that team has been so built in the Patriots' likeness that if I don't want to play a Patriots defense with big, heavy linebackers and run stuffing D tackles and you know all this beef in the front seven, if I want a more modern defense, I got to move away from a lot of things that were built here trying to be Belichick. Yeah, and I'm I'm looking at this depth chart right now too and you know, got a nice tight end I think going forward if you could keep yeah. Stafford and Galladay, I think that would be something that anybody coming in would want to start with, but depending on where the the Lions are drafting, maybe there's a quarterback you like in the draft to go that direction and add another first round pick and start getting things moved in a new direction. I could see that argument as well. Um Jeffrey Okuda is the big one for me and there's been a lot of talk this week about Robert Sala, who's from Dearborn, Michigan, and going home and getting that head coach job. And I think he's going to be interviewed at least for some head coaching jobs. Jeffrey Okuda is a lot more Richard Sherman than he is Stephon Gilmore. I think Jeffrey Okuda would really benefit from a scheme like that, like that cover three, cover four heavy zone with his length. Uh, I think that would fit him very well. So actually, the more I think about that, uh, I kind of like that idea for the Detroit Lions. And when I'm thinking of vacancies, uh, I keep wanting to put uh, Eric Bieniemy in Houston with Deshaun Watson too. So right now, mm. just you know, as we are December first and we're we're working with what we know and who's going to be available and some of the hot head coaching candidates. Uh, right now, if I'm penciling in some really good fits, I kind of like Robert Sala. Completely change the identity on defense there. Continue with the talent you have on offense. I love the fit for Okuda and potentially that scheme and Eric Bieniemy with Deshaun Watson in Houston. Those are my two favorite fits right now. I like him. I like him. Uh, not to contradict you, though, but the front seven in Detroit would need a total makeover to yes. be a Niners-like front. I mean, it's they don't have the speed. They don't have the edge guys. Their defensive tackles don't look like Buckner, Armstead, Kinlaw. And, and no matter what, whoever takes that team over is going to have to climb that mountain and change things. Even if you want to play the same scheme they're playing, I think you need a lot of talent there anyway. So I think that's going to yeah, be right, right. like, yeah, if you're trading Stafford, one of those first-round picks is going to be a defensive lineman. I'm sure you've been asked this a million times, but would would you give up the Niners first round pick for Stafford? As it stands now in mid first, no, 
but for yeah, like Colts, uh, the the Saints, a team that's drafting yeah. in the twenties or later that wants to be good, that wants to continue to be good, that's in win now mode. Absolutely, a late first round is fair for Matthew Stafford, and I think the Lions would get it. Yeah, and I think, and I'm thinking from a Lions perspective, if if I'm a new coach and I have the fifth pick and the twenty second pick and an early second and. I'm going to cut some guys that don't fit my scheme and make some cap room and rebuild this thing. But who's my quarterback? <laughs> you know, I mean, I might send a third rounder for Aaron or for, you know, Darnold or something like that and give him a year and then address it next year. But that's going to be a tough rebuild. I think uh, that, that's going to be low on my list. When we, when we rank potential openings, Detroit's going to be very low for me. It wouldn't, I would want. I like Frank Ragnow quite a bit on the offensive line. Sure. Uh, they had a couple of draft picks there in, in Jonah Jackson, the third rounder this year, and uh, Logan Stenberg. Those are guys are starting at each guard spot now. So some talent there. Taylor Decker. Um, it's yeah. not completely bare on offense. I think you could work with it on offense. We mentioned DeAndre Swift and, and TJ Hawkinson could be uh, maybe, you know, sub star level. But I think a very good tight end, the NFL, a dual tight end, I think that would work well depending on what kind of scheme you bring in and, and really feature him in the offense. So defense is really the, the thing that and they had plenty of time and you, you just go, you went away from a defensive coach. Do you bring in another defensive coach to replace him? That's a big question there. So uh, it, it's not the yeah. easiest rebuild. There's, they're going to need to use a lot of resources to fix that team. But um, it's not the worst job. I could I could say that. You mentioned some good young players, and I 100% agree with you. But those names aren't exactly Watson, yeah. Tunsil, Herbert, <laughs> Bosa, you know, right. Derwin James, I'm Lawrence. Not, I'm Fields. definitely not taking the Detroit Lions job over the Houston job or in even without their draft picks in Houston and definitely not over the Chargers job if no. that one becomes. And I think we both agree, especially with what we saw this week, just a bad coaching job in in L.A. They have to move on it, 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 with the Chargers head coach. We haven't talked about that one yet, but I think that one's pretty easy. Yeah, I agree. And, and even the Jets and Jags are at least clean slates. You don't have to get rid of much. You know, I mean, they've set it up for you for the next coach to rebuild. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. The Jets, I mean, you get to walk in there with a, a superstar stud quarterback prospect, most likely mm -hmm. at number one overall, and at least one good draft and a GM that's proven he can draft a little bit. I think that's, that's not that bad of a job either. So uh, that's no. maybe why someone like... Robert Sala would make sense for the Lions because for him, it'd be attractive to maybe go home and, you know, the local kid sure. making good in some ways. And maybe that would make that job more attractive. Yeah. And even Jacksonville, they're a bad team, but you got Chark and Chenault and Fields and Henderson and Chase on and Allen, you know, like there's some first contract building blocks and tons of picks for both those teams, tons of cap space for both those teams and whatever scheme you want to install, you can make it work. And by the way, and we're out of time here, so we'll end with this. Yeah. Dane Brugler's latest mock draft for the Athletic. Fields was not the second pick in the draft. It was actually Zach Wilson that jumped over him, the BYU quarterback that went number two in his latest mock draft. So wow. I thought that was interesting. Wow. There might be three picks in the first three. They, yeah, there might be four. There might be four top five quarterbacks in this class. Yeah. And uh, wow. there might be a big gap. And then that's why the teams at the back end of the first round will be trying to trade for guys. A team like Washington probably is not going to get a chance at one of those four. You know, I mean, they're going to end up winning five, six games and pick eighth and not have a quarterback. Or if they win the division, they'll be picking 19th, they got those right? Shot. Yeah. So that's, uh, wow. 
Interesting stuff. Lots to talk about this offseason. It will absolutely be intriguing. We'll have it covered for you daily right here on the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show.